Section 29 of Pilgrimage to Al-Madina and Mecca. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 21, Part 2 Of Personal Narrative of a Pilgrimage to Al-Madina and Mecca by Richard Francis Burton. The manners of the Madani are graver and somewhat more pompous than those of any Arabs with whom I have ever mixed. This they appear to have borrowed from their rulers, the Turks, but their austerity and ceremoniousness are skin-deep. In intimacy or in anger the garb of politeness is thrown off, and the screaming Arab voice, the voluble, copious, and emphatic abuse, and the mania for gesticulation return in all their deformity. They are great talkers, as the following little trait shows. When a man is opposed to more than his match in disputing or bargaining, instead of patiently saying to himself, S'il crache, il est mort, he interrupts the adversary with a sal Allah Muhammad, bless the Prophet. Every good Muslim is obliged to obey such requisition by responding, Allahumma sali alai, O Allah bless him. But the Madani curtails the phrase to an, supposing it to be equivalent, and proceeds in his loquacity. Then perhaps the baffled opponent will shout out Wahid, i.e., attest the unity of the deity when instead of employing the usual religious phrases to assert that dogma, he will briefly ejaculate, Al, and hurry on with the course of the conversation. As it may be supposed, these wars of words frequently end in violent quarrels, for, to do the Madani justice, they are always ready to fight. The desperate old feud between the Jua and the Bara, the town and the suburbs, has been put down with the greatest difficulty. The boys, indeed, still keep it up, turning out in bodies, and making determined onslaughts with sticks and stones. Footnote. This appears to be, and to have been, a favored weapon with the Arabs. At the Battle of Ohod we read that the combatants amused themselves with throwing stones. On our road to Mecca the Badawi attacked a party of city Arabs, and the fight was determined with these harmless weapons. At Mecca the men as well as the boys used them with as much skill as the Somalis at Aden. As regards these feuds between different quarters of the Arab towns, the reader will bear in mind that such things can coexist with considerable amount of civilization. In my time, the different villages in the Sorrentine Plain were always at war. The Irish still fight in bodies at Birkenhead, and in the days of our fathers the gamins of London amused themselves every Sunday by pitched battles on Primrose Hill, and the fields about Marleybone and St. Pancras. End of footnote. It is not to be believed that in a town garrisoned by Turkish troops full of travelled traders, and which supports itself by plundering hajis, the primitive virtues of the Arab could exist. The Meccans, a dark people, say of the Madani that their hearts are black as their skins are white. Footnote. Alluding especially to their revengefulness and their habits of storing up an injury, and of forgetting old friendships or benefits when a trivial cause or quarrel arises. End of footnote. This is, of course, exaggerated, but it is not too much to assert that pride, pugnacity, a peculiar point of honor, and a vindictiveness of wonderful force and patience are the only characteristic traits of Arab character which the citizens of Al-Medina habitually display. Here you meet with scant remains of the chivalry of the desert. A man will abuse his guest even though he will not dine without him, and will protect him bravely against an enemy and words often pass lightly between individuals which suffice to cause a blood feud amongst Badawin. The outward appearance of decorum is conspicuous among the Madani. There are no places where Corinthians dwell, as at Mecca, Cairo, and Jeddah. Adultery, if detected, would be punished by lapidation according to the rigor of the Quranic law. 
and simple immorality by religious stripes, or, if of repeated occurrence, by expulsion from the city. Footnote. The sentence is passed by the Kazi. In cases of murder he tries the criminal, and after finding him guilty, sends him to the Pasha, who orders a kawas, or policeman, to strike off his head with a sword. Thieves are punished by mutilation of the hand. In fact, justice at al-Madinah is administered in perfect conformity with the shariat or holy law. End of footnote. But scandals seldom occur, and the women, I am told, behave with great decency. Abroad they have the usual Muslim pleasures of marriage, lyings in, circumcision feasts, holy incitations, and funerals. At home they employ themselves with domestic matters, and especially in scolding Hasina and Zaafaran. In this occupation they surpass even the notable English housekeeper of the middle orders of society, the latter being confined to nagging at her slavey, whereas the Arab lady is allowed an unbounded extent of vocabulary. At Sheikh Hamid's house, however, I cannot accuse the women of swearing into strong shudders the immortal gods who heard them. They abused the black girls with unction, but without any violent expletives. At Mecca, however, the old lady in whose house I was living would, when excited by the melancholy temperament of her eldest son and his irregular hours of eating, scold him in the grossest terms, not unfrequently ridiculous in the extreme. For instance, one of her assertions was that he, the son, was the offspring of an immoral mother, which assertion one might suppose reflected not indirectly upon herself. So in Egypt I have frequently heard a father, when reproving his boy, address him by, O dog, son of a dog, and O spawn of an infidel, of a Jew, of a Christian. Amongst the men of Al-Madinah I remarked a considerable share of hypocrisy. Their mouths were as full of religious salutations, exclamations, and hackneyed quotations from the Koran, as of indecency and a vile abuse, a point in which they resemble the Persians. As before observed, they preserve their reputation as the sons of a holy city by praying only in public. At Constantinople they are by no means remarkable for sobriety. Intoxicating liquors, especially araki, are made in Al-Medina only by the Turks. The citizens seldom indulge in this way at home, as detection by smell is imminent among a people of water-bibbers. During the whole time of my stay I had to content myself with a single bottle of cognac, colored and scented to resemble medicine. The Madani are, like the Meccans, a curious mixture of generosity and meanness, of profuseness and penuriousness. But the former quality is the result of ostentation, the latter is a characteristic of the Semitic race, long ago made familiar to Europe by the Jew. The citizens will run deeply in debt, expecting a good season of devotees to pay off their liabilities, or relying upon the next begging trip to Turkey and such a proceeding, contrary to the custom of the Muslim world, is not condemned by public opinion. Above all their qualities, personal conceit is remarkable. They show it in their strut, in their looks, and almost in every word. I am such an one, the son of such an one, is a common expletive, especially in times of danger, and this spirit is not wholly to be condemned, as it certainly acts as an incentive to gallant actions. But it often excites them to vie with one another in expensive entertainments and similar vanities. The expression so offensive to English ears, Inshallah Bukra, please God tomorrow, always said about what should be done today, is here common as in Egypt or in India. This procrastination belongs more or less to all Orientals, but Arabia especially abounds in the Tawakal al-Allah ya Shaykh, place thy reliance upon Allah, O Shaykh. Enjoined when a man should depend upon his own exertions. Upon the whole, however, though alive to the infirmities of the Madani character, I thought favorably of it, 
finding among this people more of the redeeming point manliness than in most eastern nations with whom i am acquainted the arabs like the egyptians all marry yet as usual they are hard and facetious upon that ill-treated subject matrimony it has exercised the brain of their wits and sages who have not failed to indict notable things concerning it saith harikar al-hakim domini dual to his nephew nadan sir witless whom he would dissuade from taking to himself a wife marriage is a joy for a month and a sorrow for a life and the paying of settlements and the breaking of back i e under the load of misery and the listening to a woman's tongue and again we have in verse they say marry i replied far be it for me to take to my bosom a sack full of snakes i am free why then become a slave may allah never bless womankind and the following lines are generally quoted as affording a kind of bird's-eye view of female existence from ten years of age unto twenty a repose to the eyes of beholders footnote a phrase corresponding with our beauté du diable end of footnote from twenty to thirty still fair and full of flesh from thirty unto forty a mother of many boys and girls from forty unto fifty an old woman of the deceitful from fifty unto sixty slay her with a knife from sixty unto seventy the curse of allah upon them one and all another popular couplet makes a most unsupported assertion they declare womankind to be heaven to man i say allah give me jahannam and not this heaven yet the fair sex has the laugh on its side for these railers at al Madinah, as at other places invariably marry the marriage ceremony is tedious and expensive it begins with a kitbah or betrothal the father of the young man repairs to the parent or guardian of the girl and at the end of his visit exclaims the fatiha we beg of your kindness your daughter for our son should the other be favorable to the proposal his reply is welcome and congratulation to you but we must perform istikara religious lot casting footnote this means consulting the will of the deity by praying for a dream in sleep by the rosary by opening the koran and other such devices which bear blame if a negative be deemed necessary it is a custom throughout the muslim world a relic doubtless of the aslam or kida seven divining arrows of the pagan times at al Madinah, it is generally called kira and a footnote and when consent is given both pledge themselves to the agreement by reciting the fatiha then commence negotiations about the mar or sum settled upon the bride footnote among respectable citizens four hundred dollars would be considered a fair average sum the expense of the ceremony would be about half this amount of ready money a hundred and fifty pounds not being always procurable many of the madani marry late in life End of footnote. and after the smoothing of this difficulty follow feastings of friends and relatives male and female the marriage itself is called akt al-nika or ziwaj a walima or banquet is prepared by the father of the aris groom at his own house and the kazi attends to perform the nuptial ceremony the girl's consent being obtained through her wakil any male relation whom she commissions to act for her then with great pomp and circumstance the aris visits his arusa bride at her father's house and finally with a zufa or procession and sundry ceremonies at the harim she is brought to her new home arab funerals are as simple as their marriages are complicated neither nadaba muriologist or hired keener nor indeed any female even a relation is present at burials as in other parts of the muslim world 
and it is esteemed disgraceful for a man to weep aloud. Footnote. Boys are allowed to be present, but they are not permitted to cry. Of their so misdemeaning themselves there is little danger. The Arab in these matters is a man from his cradle. End of footnote. The prophet, who doubtless had heard of those pagan mournings, where an effeminate and unlimited display of woe was often terminated by licentious excesses, like the Christian's half-heathen wakes, forbade aught beyond a decent demonstration of grief, and his strong good sense enabled him to see through the vanity of professional mourners. At Al-Madina the corpse is interred shortly after decease. The bier is carried through the streets at a moderate pace by friends and relatives, these bringing up the rear. Footnote. They are called the Azdika, in the singular Sadiq. End of footnote. Every man who passes lends his shoulder for a minute, a mark of respect to the dead, and also considered a pious and prayerful act. Arrived at the harem, they carry the corpse in visitation to the Prophet's window, and pray over it, at Osman's niche. Finally, it is interred after the usual Muslim fashion in the cemetery al-Bakiyah. Al-Madina, though pillaged by the Wahhabis, still abounds in books. Near the harem are two madrasa or colleges, the Mahmudiyah, so called from Sultan Mahmud, and that of Bashir Aga. Both have large stores of theological and other works. I also heard of extensive private collections, particularly of one belonging to the Najib al-Ashraf, or chief of the Sharifs, a certain Mohammed Jamal al-Lail, whose father is well known in India. Besides which, there is a large waqf, or bequest of books, presented to the mosque, or entailed upon particular families. Footnote. From what I saw at Al-Madina, the people are not so unprejudiced on this point as the Kyrenes, who think little of selling a book in waqf. The subject of waqf, however, is an extensive one, and does not wholly exclude the legality of sale. End of footnote. The celebrated Mohammed ibn Abdillah al-Sanusi has removed his collection, amounting, it is said, to eight thousand volumes, from al-Madina to his house in Jabal Kabais at Mecca. Footnote. This sheikh is a Maliki Muslim from Algiers, celebrated as an alim, sage, especially in the mystic study of al-Jafir, he is a wali, or saint, but opinions differ as regards his kiramat, saint's miracles. Some disciples look upon him as the Mahdi, the forerunner of the prophet. Others consider him a clever impostor. His peculiar dogma is the superiority of live over dead saints, whose tombs are therefore not to be visited, a new doctrine in a Maliki. Abbas Pasha loved and respected him, and as he refused all presents, built him a new zawiya, oratory, at Bulak and when the Egyptian ruler's mother was at Al-Madina, she called upon him three times, it is said, before he would receive her. His followers and disciples are scattered in numbers about Tripoli, and amongst other oases of the Fezan, at Siwa, where they saved the Abbe Hamilton's life in A.D. 1843. End of footnote. The burial-place of the Prophet, therefore, no longer lies open to the charge of utter ignorance brought against it by my predecessor. The people now praise their ulema for learning, and boast a superiority in respect of science over Mecca. Yet many students leave the place for Damascus and Cairo, where the Riwak al-Haramain, College of the Two Shrines, in the Ajar Mosque University, is always crowded, and though Omar Effendi boasted to me that his city was full of lore, he did not appear the less anxious to attend the lectures of Egyptian professors. But none of my informants claimed for al-Madina any facilities of studying other than the purely religious sciences philosophy, medicine, arithmetic, mathematics, and algebra, cannot be learnt here. 
I was careful to inquire about the occult sciences, remembering that Paracelsus had travelled in Arabia, and that the Count Cagliostro, Giuseppe Balsamo, who claimed the Meccan Sharif as his father, asserted that about A.D. 1765 he had studied alchemy at Al-Medina. The only trace I could find was a superficial knowledge of the magic mirror. But after denying the Madani the praise of varied learning, it must be owned that their quick observation and retentive memories have stored up for them an abundance of superficial knowledge, culled from conversations in the market and in the camp. I found it impossible here to display those feats which in Sin, South Persia, Eastern Arabia, and many parts of India would be looked upon as miraculous. Most probably one of the company had witnessed the performance of some Italian conjurer at Constantinople or Alexandria, and retained a lively recollection of every manoeuvre. As linguists they are not equal to the Meccans, who surpass all Orientals excepting only the Armenians. The Madani seldom know Turkish, and more rarely still Persian and Indian. Those only who have studied in Egypt chaunt the Koran well. The citizens speak and pronounce their language purely. They are not equal to the people of the southern Hijaz. Still, their Arabic is refreshing after the horrors of Cairo and Muscat. Footnote. The only abnormal sound amongst the consonants heard here, and in Al-Hijaz generally, is the pronouncing of K, Arabic, a hard G. For instance, Guran for Quran, a Koran, and Hagi or Haki, my right. This G, however, is pronounced deep in the throat and does not resemble the corrupt Egyptian pronunciation of the Jim, J, Arabic, a letter which the Copts knew not, and which their modern descendants cannot articulate. In Al-Hijaz, the only abnormal sounds among the vowels are O for U, as Koch, a peach, and Arabic for Arabic, as Ohod for Uhud. The two short vowels, Fath and Kasir, are correctly pronounced, the former never becoming a short E, as in Egypt, L for Al and Yemen for Yaman, or a short I, as in Syria, Min for Man, Hu, etc., these vowels, however, are differently articulated in every part of the Arab world. So says St. Jerome of the Hebrew, Nec refert atrum salem aut salim nominator, cum vocabulus in medio literis peraru utantur hebrei, et pro voluntate lectorum ac varietate regionum eadem verba diversis sonis atque accentibus proferantur. End of footnote. The classical Arabic, be it observed, in consequence of an extended empire, soon split up into various dialects, as the Latin under similar circumstances separated into the Neo-Roman patois of Italy, Sicily, Provence, and Languedoc. And though Nibur has been deservedly censured for comparing the Quranic language to Latin and the vulgar tongue to Italian, still there is a great difference between them, almost every word having undergone some alteration in addition to the manifold changes and simplifications of grammar and syntax. The traveller will hear in every part of Arabia that some distant tribe preserves the linguistic purity of its ancestors, uses final vowels with the noun, and rejects the addition of the pronoun, which apocopy in the verb now renders necessary. Footnote. E.g. Ant Zarabat, thou struckest for Zarabta. The final vowel, suffering apocopy, would leave Zarabt equally applicable to the first-person singular and the second-person singular masculine. End of footnote but I greatly doubt the existence of such a race of philologists. In Al-Hijaz, however, it is considered graceful in an old man, especially when conversing publicly, to lean towards classical Arabic. 
On the contrary, in a youth, this would be treated as pedantic affectation and condemned in some such satiric quotation as, There are two things colder than ice, a young old man and an old young man. End of section 29